You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting remotely for WFHB, this is Benedict Jones. And I'm Sarah Davis. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. We won't be silent anymore. Later in the program, WFHB correspondent Cynthia Roberts reported on a rally in Washington, D.C. over the weekend, organized by the Poor People's Campaign. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, we have the third installment of Cutting the Cost of Gas on Better Beware, our consumer watchdog segment hosted and produced by Richard Fish. More on today's feature. But first, your local headlines. The Bloomington City Council discussed the agreement with Meridium at the June 15th meeting. Council member Kate Rosenbarger asked why Meridium, a Paris-based company, was a better option than their current internet provider. Director of IT Rick Dietz responded. I think in part because part of Meridium's um, part of Meridium's animating ethos is is social uh, and and equity is a big pillar of their operations as a benefit corporation. So from from the very beginning of the conversation, this was one of the most important parts, making sure that there was a robust digital equity plan. One of the uh, one of the most compelling facets of this, which you don't see from any providers that's present in this, is their commitment to have an actual person, staff member, be responsible for the success of the digital equity program in the community. Instead of just printing out pamphlets you know, and throwing them around, they will have uh, boots on the ground to get, uh, to get households signed up to be able to utilize this program. They need to do that because they need to meet our objectives, our performance objectives in, in digital equity. Councilmember Matt Flaherty asked whether the network and TIF district would extend into the county and also how annexation would play into that conversation. County Council Beth Kate responded saying that if the annexation doesn't go through, that Monroe County would have to vote and approve of the Meridium expansion. Attorney Bradley Bingham responded in regards to the TIF district question. Yes, thank you. I, I, I think the question was raised about, uh, you know, could the city um, uh, extend the TIF area into the county, you know, absent annexation? The answer is yes. There, there is a provision in the redevelopment statute that allows for the county to uh, transfer jurisdiction over certain discrete areas next to the city limits for this very purpose. So I just, just wanted to add that in there. That is a possibility if that were uh, uh, to, to, to be necessary. During public comment, Chamber of Commerce member Christopher Emge spoke in favor of a high-speed fiber optic network, however, cautioned that a contingency plan should be made in case Meridium ever goes bankrupt or is bought by another company. Hello and uh, good evening, Council. This is Christopher Emge from the Greater Bloomington Chamber of Commerce. Uh, a lot of your inquiries were similar to ours tonight. There's a lot to like about this Meridian 
uh, Meridian City Public-Private Partnership to create a fiber to network. A robust digital equity initiative is an important goal. The pandemic proved how vital high-speed digital access remains to our careers and our children's education for those remote, remote learning days. The Chamber embraces Meridian's interest in our community with the $50 million investment. We do advocate for competition in the marketplace and appreciate innovative nature that is the spider tiff. Where our skepticism rests is the benefits to the entire community, not just the hard-to-reach populations who currently lack this connection. Does generating this competition result in overbuilding when we look at the current providers we already have? We don't know. This is an enormous infrastructure project. The construction will be a disruption to our daily lives, especially for small business owners. At the same time, Meridian has made it clear it, its target remains residential customers and not the business for the time being. Meridian is going to have to fight for the talent and these construction workers as they move forward. Next is, will this, could this deal go south? And what if it does? Um, it took over six years to get to this point, with many potential partners falling by the wayside. While Meridium has made an impressive case that they are here in the long run and never sold any of, your, any of their assets, we know that um, the current landscape, things can change on a dime. Um, this particular, um, what we know is that they have the possibility of going bankrupt or a merger to take place. Then what? Um, this is a new project and uh, a new territory uh, as far as U.S. municipalities are concerned for Meridium. So there's a lot of unknown. Um, what, what happens then if there, if there is a merger or a bankruptcy? Do we have a contingency plan in place? Um, finally, what this chamber supports is just a pause in these proceedings to ensure that these questions are answered and the input uh, from the public is properly solicited uh, before we make this long-term commitment. I thank you for your time and the uh, great discussion this evening. The council voted eight to one to approve the contract with Meridium. The council also voted in favor of establishing the People's Bank building on Kirkwood as a historic district. The council will vote on whether or not to vacate the alley behind the Johnson Creamery building at their next city council meeting, which will be held on July 20th. On June 14th at the Monroe County Council meeting, Financial Director Brianne Gregory asked the council for another full-time position to help the auditing department. What we're hoping to do is just have another person in office every day to assist with our daily tasks. And, you know, this is best done um, not by a part-time person, but somebody that can be in the office every day and actually learn our processes and procedures and be a real part of our team. So, um... Yeah, we're hoping, you know, just to uh, somebody to assist with reporting requirements, um, you know, pulling reports, pulling that information, um, some reconciliations, um, scanning and filing, of course, audit and gap report assistance. That's huge. That's taken up like a huge amount of our time, um, you know, and so on and so forth. As Kathy said, basically just assisting with all of the duties over on our side as needed. So um, it would be a huge help to our team and really help with um, our division of duties and internal controls. Next, Highway Director Lisa Ridge asked the council to approve additional funds for gas due to the increasing costs. Council member Marty Hawk commented that although spending more money on gas is necessary, it also means that there is less money to fill the potholes. Council President Kate Wiltz asked if there are any vehicles that use fuel alternatives in the highway department's fleet. Ridge said that the vehicles they have typically use diesel. 
That is correct. <laughs> um, so we use a lot of diesel fuel, uh, depending on what we're using. Um, so, and of course, that's a higher cost than regular gasoline. Most of the vehicles that use the regular gasoline are probably the other departments, um, yeah. maybe sheriff's department, health department, but we get reimbursed from those departments. Um, they, they are allowed to um, get the gasoline from our pumps and then use our pricing. And then we bill them each month. Um, but our other vehicles are the larger vehicles that um, and equipment that don't have an alternative. Mm -hmm. And we do have some uh, some fleet that that um, use electric uh, charging. Not, I mean, around the county, not necessarily in in your department. But some of those that are using your pumps have their hybrid. Yes. Correct. We had um, we had uh, bought a hybrid. It's been a few years ago um, in our fleet. Um, that was the only one that we ever had. Um, as far as the other departments having the electric vehicles, I'm really not involved in in that decision making mm -hmm. for the other departments. Um, I know our fleet director um, is. Um, electric vehicles are great, um, but it does affect the revenue that comes into the um, highway right. departments. It's true. So um, as I know, it's being geared more towards electric vehicles in the, in the future. Mm -hmm. um, so it's one thing that um, the counties and AIC have discussed that the more electric vehicles that are used will affect revenue for county highways. Unless they change the Unless there's unless there's a change in the system and the yeah. formulas of what an electric vehicle would be charged to make mm -hmm. up for the difference um, of using mm -hmm. the roadways without paying the gas tax. The council unanimously approved the appropriation of funds. The next council meeting will be held on July 12th. Thousands of people gathered in Washington, D.C. on June 28th for the Poor People's and Low-Wage Workers Assembly on Washington and to the polls. The Poor People's Campaign, an anti-poverty campaign organized by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in 1968, organized the rally. According to a press release, this weekend's protest intended to, quote, address a broad range of issues affecting the country's 140 million poor and low-wealth people, including access to health care and housing, systemic racism, the climate crisis, and rising militarism, end quote. WFHB correspondent Cynthia Roberts reported on the Poor People's Campaign protest, gathering audio from speakers and interviewing attendees. Reverend Dr. Liz Theo Harris is the co-chair of the Poor People's Campaign a national call for moral revival. She is the director of the Cairo Center for Religions, Rights, and Social Justice at Union Theological Seminary. She's an ordained minister in the Presbyterian Church and teaches at Union Theological Seminary. Theo Harris spoke at the protest calling on lawmakers to fight poverty, not the poor. It's gone on far too long, and we won't be
to normal, or business as usual, because normal is the stories we just heard. Normal is 140 million poor and low income. Normal is 700 people dying every day from poverty. Instead, our call, our response is fight poverty, not the poor. Gupta Barnes is the policy director at the Cairo Center. She coordinated and edited the Souls of Poor Folk, Auditing America Report for the Poor People's Campaign, a national call for moral revival, working closely with the Institute for Policy Studies. She spoke out against injustice and advocated for voting rights. Speaking alongside her, the Reverend Dr. William J. Barber II reiterated her point about expanding the right to vote. They closed with a song featuring the lyrics, I feel justice ringing through my soul.
Testimonies we've been hearing all morning, they are more than just stories. They are the basis of a moral, political, and economic agenda that can unite 140 million people in this country, 40% of the country to take action together across race, across gender and sexual orientation, across faith in every region, state, and county, and every line that's ever been used to divide this powerful political force, and it is powerful, because these 140 poor and low-income people account for one-third, one-third of the electorate. Say that again. One-third. One-third. One out of every three voters in this country has, an, has a stake and an agenda that centers poor and low-income people. We call this a third reconstruction agenda, and if one-third of the electorate was organized around it, we could change everything, our maps, our priorities, and we could revive the heart and soul of this democracy. So it is up to us. It is up to this campaign and anyone who is suffering from injustice and knows that this does not have to be, who knows that we are all deserving of the best and most of this country, no matter what we look like, where we live, who we love, what language we speak, it is up to us to organize and mobilize this new and unsettling force of poor low-income people and poor low-income voters to the polls. That's right. For those of you who may not know this campaign net yet, you will, because we will be in the streets, <coughs> at the legislature, in the courts, and at the ballot box. This is our promise. We won't be silent anymore. That's our right. Deadline, our deadline is victory. Charlie, before you leave, is it also not true that in battleground states, poor and low-wealth people represent 45% of the electorate. It is. Is it not true that in 15 states, if poor and low-wealth people would just vote between 1% and 25% higher than they did in 2020, they could determine every election from the State House to the Congress they to can. the White House? They can. They will. How many of you will join us after this to organize and knock on doors? chief cornerstone in building a third reconstruction and this is the day that the Lord has made as they leave I feel justice bringing in my soul I feel justice bringing in my soul one, two, three, four The event had representatives of impoverished folks from each state. The Indiana representative came from Bloomington, and he spoke about raising his family during the pandemic. 
Reverend Barber chimed in to say he himself was born in Indiana in 1963. I'm here representing Bloomington, Indiana, by way of Memphis, Tennessee. And as I stand here before you all today, I come here as I was born. I was born poor, like you love poor. And even today, in the eyes of our government, I am poor. The only difference now from when I was growing up is now that I have kids to look after. How many parents are in the crowd today? Yeah! God bless y'all. I have two daughters. One is three, the other one due in August. I'm building a family. It's supposed to be the American dream, right? That's right. But as most Americans know, you gotta be asleep to believe it. Because as most Americans know, it's expensive to raise youngest, man. Have y'all seen the price of diapers lately? And for those of us who have problems feeding our kids, what do we do? We sign up for WIP, right? So tell me why. The fine folks at the WIC offices have decided to take baby formula off their coverage list. They are taking food out of our children's mouths and they expect us to be silent. We ain't gonna be silent ever again. WFHB correspondent Cynthia Roberts spoke with Emily Keel, who organized with the Women's International League for Peace and Freedom to attend the rally. Keel said she went to the protest to demonstrate the power of the public. We are in D.C. now um, with hundreds of people so far, really early on. It hasn't actually started. And we're here to show the power of the poor and low-wealth people to try to change the moral narrative of the nation. We're headed in a bad direction. We're going to change that through the force of people. For more information about the rally and the Poor People's Campaign, you can visit poorpeoplescampaign.org. 
Up next, cutting the cost of gas on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB, hosted and produced by Richard Fish. We turn to Richard Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. $5 a gallon. Here's the third part of our series on how you can spend maybe a dollar a gallon less than the price on the pump by increasing your gas mileage. So far, we know you need to keep track of your gas mileage all the time, and you need to keep your gas tank full. Now here's something else you need to do. Keep your car together. When your car isn't running its best, you pay extra every mile you drive. It's amazing how much difference this can make because things add up. Increase your mileage by 5% by doing one thing and 5% by doing something else, you save 10% or 50 cents a gallon now. Keep your tires properly inflated. Get a good tire pressure gauge and use it regularly. Check the pressure when the tires are cold, before you've driven more than a mile or two, and keep them at the highest pressure recommended by your car's manufacturer. Will overpressure save gas? Maybe a little, but not enough. Your tires will wear faster in the middle, and you'll have less traction on wet roads. It's not worth it. A new air filter can boost your gas mileage as much as 10%, and replacing a bad oxygen sensor can boost it as much as 40%. Want to save two bucks a gallon? Oxygen sensors need replacing every 50 or 60,000 miles. How's yours doing? Have your brakes and wheels checked. Many places will inspect them for free. A single dragging brake, which is not at all uncommon, or an improper wheel alignment can cost you a fortune these days. Don't haul around extra weight. Take stuff out of the car if it doesn't need to be there, and ditch car top carriers and roof racks. Remove a hundred pounds of weight and save another eight percent on gas prices. Keep your engine tuned up. Oil changes, lube jobs, and so forth pay for themselves quicker than ever now. When I needed spark plugs, my mechanic recommended iridium-tipped plugs. They cost me a hundred bucks, but my gas mileage went up over ten percent. They've paid for themselves already. Changing to a synthetic oil saves money on some cars. If you're keeping track of your mileage, you can try it and find out. And don't put this stuff off. Prices for parts and service are going up. You'll get them for less if you get work done now. There are hundreds of gadgets and additives on the market that claim to save gas, but most of them are just barely this side of the con jobs we usually deal with on Bloomington Beware. As Mother Earth News put it, If the gadgets that get so much publicity actually worked, car manufacturers would install them. You can also increase your mileage by keeping your distance out on the road. Sounds weird? We'll explain it next time. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. 
Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Noelle Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS, Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Cynthia Roberts and Cade Young. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Engineer and executive producer is Cade Young. For WFHB, I'm Sarah Davis. And I'm Benedict Jones. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for Cool Solutions, climate action from the bottom up. Coming up next on WFHB Community Radio.